Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Here are your hosts, Julie Fudge-Smith and Colleen Pilar. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. Today is a very special episode. It is our 100th episode. We started in September of 2016. I was an unwilling participant at first. Julie talked me into podcasting because guess what? I'd never really heard podcasts before. I didn't know what it was and I was scared. And it has been awesome. It has been so much fun. But the time has come for me to step aside and move to some other projects. So today we are introducing dog trainer Tina Spring to come on and explore topics all related to dogs with me today and with Julie Fudge-Smith moving forward. So we thought a fun way to get started would be to just throw out some questions to one another just to kind of get to know each other a little bit better and to look at worldviews a bit. Does that sound reasonable, ladies? World it does. No Except pressure it, it, there. It, it, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, Tina, how about you go first? What's What's your first question for us? Okay, so my first question for, for the both of you is uh, name something that you taught a dog that um, when you were originally getting started doing it, you weren't sure you'd actually be able to pull off. Is it easier uh, if I give you an example? No, no, okay, because good. I have I one right so. off the top of my head, which is oh, getting no. a dog to sit. I still, to this day, am thrilled when I walk up to a dog and it sits because I always figure I can't do this. I can't train. I can't even train a dog to sit. And so every time a dog sits for me, it is a thrill a minute. And so the first time I was in the class and as an assistant and I was supposed to get a dog to sit and he did, I was stunned, absolutely stunned, thrilled but stunt. Um, so, um, just getting dogs to sit and then, and then if I can get them to lay down, Oh my heavens, it's, it's like, um, it's like the Alleluia chorus for me. So just getting a dog to sit. So this is really telling our listeners what a bad, bad crappy trainer <laughs> I really am. Did, did you start heart. out with greyhound rescue? <laughs> <laughs> It is pretty impressive when you get the greyhound to sit. You're like, yes, it's like, I am magnificent. Yes. No, I think it was just some shih tzu. (laughs) Just anyway. But to me, it's still thrilling that when I can communicate effectively to a dog is, is absolutely a thrill to my core. And that's kind of my benchmark that if I ever stop being excited by getting a dog to sit, I need to stop training. Yeah. Um, I I would hope we all feel that way. Yes, absolutely. Um, My answer is also a fairly simple skill, but I have to say that when you asked the question, Tina, it reminded me of a story you once told me, so I'm going to make you tell that after I give my answer. Mine was um, I was originally a more traditional trainer, a little bit more leash-based and pulling the dog into position kind of stuff. And when I started learning about more positive methods and how you could actually get a dog to do something without touching them, I trained a dog to walk behind me and stick her head between my legs and just sort of like pop her head out. And it was awesome. It was like the first time I really realized, oh, I see. It's a two-way, really clear communication. Um, So I wasn't entirely sure I could do that at that time because it was all so weird. Like, right? You 
click and then you give treats. I don't understand. But Tina once told me one of my favorite stories of all time about teaching a dog to read. Do you remember telling me that? Yes. And that was the story that I had in mind. So um, I had a, a family pause, a dogs and storks client. Um, actually, I they had been um, customers, clients through the development of the dog from when the girl was an undergrad and then they prepared him for getting married and having an adult, another adult in the house and then preparing for baby. And they were coming back um, because they were having their second baby. And so they wanted their son who at the time was like four to, um, to have more interaction with the dog and to have something exciting and new to work on. So, um, he had a list of things that he wanted to teach the dog. And so they'd drop the dog off and I'd work with him and then they'd come over and we'd float the little boy in. And as we were finishing up, as we were getting close to mom's due date, um, I said, is there anything else that you'd like us to teach the dog? And, and he got all serious and he was like, yes, but I don't think you'll, I don't think you'll do it. And I was like, okay, well hit me like, Come up, let me know what it is. And he said, there's something I've always wanted to teach him. I've always wanted to teach him to read. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that is a good one. <laughs> so so um, when she went into labor, the dog came and stayed with me for like two weeks. And so I worked on it and taught the dog how to look at one page and then look at another page and then with his little foot, turn the page. Um, and so when they, when I took the dog home and met the new baby and we were doing all this stuff, I said, I have a surprise for you. I taught Toby how to read. I just can't teach him how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how I wish I had had video, right? Like it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But in a million years, I must not have had as much to do in my life. But I was like, okay, if anybody had ever said to me, like, is that, is it possible to have the dog mimic reading and turning the page of like a Richard Scarry book himself? I don't, I don't know that I would have thought that that was possible, Mm -hmm. but it was, it's one of like the best things ever is when you get that magic. Yeah. It just, I think it's kind of addictive. And for some dogs, it's not teaching them to read. It might be just teaching a dog to stay relaxed in a room with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Right. But for this dog, it was learning to read. I just can't teach him to talk. I love that story. I, I so that's remember the story. first time you told me, and I was just like, that's genius. Further evidence of Tina's genius. Well, I'm not genius. <laughs> just you can teach target. dogs to read. <laughs> I just figured out targeting. Well, so now there's all those videos on YouTube of people who are actually supposedly teaching dogs to read. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired too. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that is, that's a great story. I love that story. So um, I, I think the only other time I had something similar to that was um, I was, I'd for, I was asked to do a presentation at a Catholic school about um, grace and dogs. So um, I prepared this whole thing and I had um, two dogs at the time, uh, Buckley, who was a uh, Bernese Mountain Dog and Bingley, my flat-coated retriever. And um, I thought, well, I really need to have them do something other than just sort of greet the kids, right? Which is 
Buckley's forte. So Buckley basically worked the crowd. He worked hard. But Bingley really needed to have him do something. And I was sitting there and I, and I kind of reached my hand down and he shook my hand. And I'm like, where did you learn that? And I realized that like three years earlier, I had tried to teach him to shake and had given it up. And he apparently had remembered. He just kept so, processing. <laughs> it just kept processing until he finally got it. But then one of the things, the other thing is I didn't realize I'd actually taught them. I was like, okay, we'll see if we can do this, is to have him sit and, and, or lay down with his paws in front of him and put a treat in front of him or on one of his paws and not have him take it until I tell him to. And so we're at this thing and all these kids are watching and I have him lay down and I put the treat between his paws and I back up and I'm like, okay, Bing, will you stay there? And I said, I looked at the crowd. I said, so now he's going to stay there until I tell him to take the treat. And Bingley looked at the treat, looked at the kids like this. When he looked over at the kids and I said, okay. And he took the treat. And it was just, it was just perfect. It was like showmanship. And I'm like, not me. That was not me. I don't know. <laughs> it was just, but I think it has to do with relationship, you know, that um, he knew what I wanted because he knew me. And we had, you know, worked on things. And he was an older dog at this point. He was like seven or eight. And so he had, you know, more knowledge um, just about life and stuff. But it was one of the things where I bring home when talking to my, my clients, I want to talk to them about relationship because it's amazing the magic that can happen with your dog, unintentional magic, simply because of the relationship that the two of you have. Mm-hmm. And so once again, I do not consider myself a talented trainer really in any way, but I am pretty good at establishing relationships with dogs. And maybe that's why they sit for me because I have a relationship with them. Well, and shouldn't we all celebrate even the little things they learn, right? If it was up to them, they'd be pooping in the dining room, mm-hmm. right? They surely would not be getting inoculations <laughs> like that. <laughs> like, as my favorite vet tech says, weights and temps are free, right? Like (laughs) my dogs would be like, no, thank you. No, thank you on either account. Um, So we would all celebrate the little stuff. Um, And I think especially, I'm assuming we've all had relatively long careers. Um, I think we are richly blessed that we get to have that magic all the time. And I hope it never gets to a place where I take that for granted. Right. Right. Because it, I do always view it as just an invitation to that other species to join a conversation Mm -hmm. and be in connection with me. And they have a choice. They can go, yeah, no, you smell like feet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Okay. So Colleen, do you have a question for us? I do. Mine is not about dogs. This one is not about dogs. Um, Is there any activity that you would like to have a lesson from an expert in? All of the activities? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) So so you know, so cheater, cheater, um, you know that my primary reinforcer for me when I become debt-free is to go take a professional driving school, like on a track, like on a racetrack, hopefully with a manual transmission vehicle. So yes, I would, I would love to become more efficient, more skilled um, at driving. But, but I also have just learned about me that I'm kind of 
just curious. If something's mm-hmm. interesting to me, I, I'll always go to school from somebody who knows more than I do, even if what I learn is what not to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is sometimes, mm-hmm. or that it's just not my thing, which sometimes happens. Yeah. But still so. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I did that um, last fall. I um, had thought I'd always wanted to try fencing. So um, I took one fencing class or set up for, for one individual lesson. And at the end of it, I'm glad I did it, but I had no desire to go on. So, but it was interesting to learn about fencing, to learn about the, the different, you know, whether it's a rapier or, or what, I don't remember the terms now, um, but I'm really glad I did it. I'm glad I gave it a try. Um, and I'm glad I worked with somebody who was, who was very good at what she did, but I don't really have any desire to become a rapier fighter. You know? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, so that's one thing that I did do. Um, I think, um, if I had to do, what, what would I do now? Hmm. Well, you know, I love cooking and I took one cooking class. A friend of mine, and I took a, a homemade pizza class. I would love to take like, um, another cooking class. Um, maybe one on knife handling skills, mm-hmm. something like that, just to improve my knife handling skills. So anyway, I think I would like to do another cooking class. What about the hula hoop champion? What what are you thinking? <laughs> um, I think that I think like Julie said, a little bit of dabbling is kind of fun, and um, and there are several things in in the world that I think I only would want to do once, but I do want to do. Like I want to do a zip line, but I don't think. Oh, they're fun. I don't think I want to do. A lot of them. But just seems like a giant wedgie. <laughs> it does. It does seem like it might not be comfy, but it seems also kind of cool. <laughs> Having done zip lining in Guatemala, where one of our zips was almost a mile long, okay, I can tell you, I'm really glad I did it. I am not a big zip line person anymore. Or uh, I, I was really glad I tried it. It was really fun. Um, I kind of like the shorter ones a little bit better because I got stuck and they had to come out. <laughs> me and bring me back this Um, is a good reason for me not to do it (laughs) but it was really fun and i'm really glad i did it um but you don't find me hanging you know signing up for every zip line that comes along because you know um hanging over a canyon in guatemala and and one of my friends goes guatemala this is where you choose to do your very first zip line in a third world country i'm like yeah and like where there's no osha yeah I think I'd like to try it where there's OSHA. We'll start with that. Um, but that wouldn't, it's not probably my first thing I'd like a lesson an expert in. But if we're talking about dabbling, zip lining, and skydiving, if if I could have a really mm-hmm. good person with me. Um, and, but I don't want to do the landing. That's that's the reason I won't do it. <laughs> and But the thing I think I would like to try a lesson from an expert is something more in the arts and crafts world. And I think it would be stained glass. I would like to have someone help me learn about stained glass. That is something that I think I might like more than one lesson. So, Yes. You know, I think I might like to learn to knit better. I can do basic knitting, but I can't do complex knitting. And I had this book called How to Knit Your Own Dog. And I have the book and I have all the yarn. I can't do it. So um, I would like to learn to knit well enough that I could knit my own dog. My son's girlfriend just pushed. (laughs) There you go. What was that? <laughs> you could knit the dog into a down. 
My son's girlfriend just crocheted, not knitted, crocheted a replica of her bird. It's quite a good one if you if you have the talents to crochet a replica. She she could do it. So if you want to try it with crocheting your dog, I can hook you up. <laughs> I've resigned. Well, I do know how to crochet. There will just be things I won't be good at. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where it fell for me, well, too. <laughs> I, I do have one stuffed dog that I picked up when we were out for my nephew's wedding in um, in, in the state of Washington. And, and he's got, like, I don't know, they're kind of like buttons for his legs. And I can make him stand and sit and lay down. So I already have a dog that I can manipulate in that way. So, you know, that's that's pretty cool. So sometimes I do that. I bring him off the shelf and we, we sit, we down, we sit. <laughs> um, you know, so, and especially difficult client days. You know, it's like, look, I can make a dog sit. I can make my stuffed dog sit. There we go. So, yeah, so, so I can always make a dog sit, even if it's, you know, I have to manipulate him. So anyway, so one of my questions for you all is, um, tell me about a moment of grace in your life. There's a long silence here. <laughs> there is. I think grace is one of those, well, it's one of those things that can be difficult to talk about, right? And there's mm-hmm. so many facets to it. So um, for my example, because I, I got this question ahead of time, so I had to think about it because it there are so many facets to it. Um, I, I will say that there is an individual in my world who most exemplifies grace. So I have a a dear friend whose daughter, um, midday on graduation day, no fault of her own, no fault of anyone else was in a horrible car accident and is still years later, um, in a minimally conscious state. And my friend who has my heart, um, she's just one of those people that when you meet her, um, her vibration is just magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never seen anyone in any difficult situation be more honest and authentic and vulnerable and mighty and strong and exemplify grace. Just she, she shows it warts and all. And it's, it's breathtaking. Um, it's some, it's one of those things where I think to myself, like, yeah, no, I'm not sure I'd handle that that way. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'd like to think I would, but I, um, it's just, it's an amazing thing. And, and I see that exemplified a lot in that kind of situation Mm -hmm. where there's something just bigger Mm -hmm. than, we sometimes feel like we can handle. And yet those people who just step into it, like they were made mm-hmm. to do it. And it's that, yeah, it's just amazing. Cause it was, you know, there, there had been a divorce. Her ex is not at all easy. He was really struggling of course, with what happened. And, um, she didn't know at the time, um, that her now husband, 
had had the ring and was had already asked her daughter if it was okay to marry her mom right like there was there was all this stuff all at the same time and it just it's to this day I, i'm just in awe of how much grace she extends to the world but also how she has handled it all, even the really gross, difficult, hard stuff, scary stuff with Grace, just a trust that it all, that she is where she's supposed to be. Yeah. So amazing. Just amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good example and story. And, and certainly one I can't quite match at that level. The, answer that popped into my head was I think it relates to what Tini was saying it's sort of like a, uh, an acceptance and an easing into what is um, and a moment that I felt some grace um, personally was I have a favorite meditation mantra from Thich Nhat Hanh and it's just five breaths so it's in out deep slow calm ease Smile, release, present moment, wonderful moment. And I always say it's like tag teach for meditation. Like tells me what to do. This is what I have to do. And so I was at um, one of my husband's cousin died. And we went to the funeral. And I absorb everyone's emotions. So funerals are not my favorite place to be because everybody's sad. So I was in like, this like, oh my God, I'm feeling all of this. So I start breathing and I'm like, okay, in. And then I hit present moment, wonderful moment. And I thought, no, there's nothing, there's nothing wonderful here. This is terrible. And it just like, like it came to me. There was no place in the world I wanted to be other than right there. Like this was important to be there. It was important to be with these people who loved Bob and so when I felt that, I could feel like the shift in me and it, it felt like, it felt like grace and it felt a little bit like what Tina's saying on a, on a micro level. Um, but these moments of noticing what is and accepting what is and then saying, and, and now I will move on and forward and through this. Um, I think that's what grace feels like to me sometimes. And I do not feel graceful very often. <laughs> I feel like a big old bumbler. Um, so having moments where it, where it, where it comes and you think like, Oh, Oh, that, that's what it is. That was a moment for me. That's a lovely moment. A very lovely moment. Yes. Um, I was thinking that um, every once in a while, um, I told my children, my, my daughters are, what, 20, 27 and 31 or 28 and 32, something like that. And they're at the phase in life where they're both mothers. And so they'll talk to me. Well, you know, I was reading this article and it said this, and I was like, okay, you need to understand that I am now until the day I die going to apologize for your parent, for your childhood. I'm just going to spend the rest of my life saying, I'm really sorry. I didn't know, or I'm really sorry. I, you know, I'm, you know, if I had known, I wouldn't have done that. You know, maybe it would have been nice if you'd been raised in a loving home. I don't know. So one of my daughters the other day was feeling a bit down and feeling a little bit like her life wasn't where she had hoped it would be at this point in time. And I'm listening to all this. And so I don't. So most of the time I am praying desperately to the Holy Spirit 
please give me the right words to say because I don't generally come up with the right words to say on my own. And suddenly it occurred to me what to say to her. And what I said was, I get that. I understand where you're at. And I understand the last few years have been really hard. But you need to think of it perhaps in this way, that you haven't done a pit. You've built a foundation. And you've built a foundation on which to build the next part of your life. You found that you are stronger than you thought you were. You are, um, you're, you're a good mom. You took care, care of your kids. You took care of your family. You didn't dig a pit. You built a foundation. And so maybe let's like look at it that way. And that will give you the strength to move on through the next phase. And I don't have any idea where those words came from, <laughs> you know, um, but it was it was a tiny moment of grace that I could offer to my daughter to perhaps to recognize, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but you can look at it in more than one way. And, um, you know, maybe this is what we need to be thinking of instead. So it, it doesn't deny the experience. It just changes the perception. And I think that's part of what happens with grace. That grace is that humble and quiet acceptance of what is of the fact that we are all flawed individuals, we're flawed sinners, doesn't condone sin, but it accepts that it's there. And in the attempt to, and it attempts to free within us the better angels of our nature, so that the struggle between our flawed, sinful parts and our gracious divine part perhaps the divine, that element of divine that we all carry can come out. And to me, that's what grace is all about, is finding those tiny little quiet moments where the divine is working in me rather than me working in me. So anyway, that's what I was thinking about when I talked about a moment of grace. And I think both of you came up with wonderful examples. And heaven forbid that I should be put in the situation Tina, that you're friends with, because I'm not sure that grace would radiate for me in such a magne- magnanimous and magnificent way. That's just amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, so. we, we often talk about how, so her name is Ruth, and she would not be at all offended that I'm sharing this here. Um, she's writing a book about her experience, so she's she's public anyway. But um, I have forever, as long as I've known her, talked about... Um, the house that Ruth built, right? That, that she, her life is very much lived as a ministry. And I know that I have experienced that in my practice and in my life, right? That um, separating my faith from who I am while I am um, all the faults and foibles and brokenness. um, Yeah. My, my faith is interwoven. And, and when all of this happened to her sweet girl, I remember getting to the emergency room and my girlfriend looked me in the eye and said, I'm scared. And I said, I am too. Right. Like no one who showed up was reading out of the book of platitudes. (laughs) Um, And, and we were at times, I mean, we were just grateful that we were in the ICU, not in a private waiting room. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that was a very real possibility. Um, I have like a so it makes me think about I had a, a, a family dog client 
a long time ago that it was in the summertime here in the South, like, like now, and the kids are running into the house being goofballs. And the mom had like had it and like goes, could you hold on a second? And like loses her marbles <laughs> at the kids and sends them go, go to Siberia, get out of the house. Um, and then she like apologizes, right. That she kind of like that her kids are being obnoxious and that it's crazy and all of the things. And one of the things she was, and she kind of like broke down like every single mama does, right. Like every Mm -hmm. daddy does. And one of the things that she talked about was the fingerprints on the walls. Um, and my daughter was relatively recently up and out. And so I listened to all of her frustration and complaints and just listened and said, yes, like all of that. Yes. And when she was done, I said, and just so you know, there will be a day that you will wipe the fingerprints off the switch plates and they don't come back. And as crazy as it sounds, you'll miss them. And she just kind of took this breath. And I was like, I know that it's really, really hard to celebrate when the kids are making you nutty. But there's also a time that you just, you yearn to have that nuttiness back in your kitchen, embarrassing you in front of your dog trainer, right? (laughs) Um, I think that there's a magic of turning our experience on its ear and saying, um, I'm not going to, like, I have great sorrow because I had great love. Mm-hmm. And, right. like, what a blessing. So, yeah, right. I don't, I, I try not to run away, even though I might want to. Try not to run away from it. Try to uh, stand there and right. experience well, it. And, and because I kind of, I, I, I always do this. I always take things back to dogs. I was thinking about, somebody said to me that, um, or I read somewhere that um, parenting, um, the days are long, but the years are short. And I think that's a really good summary. But, you know, that's what it's like to parent a dog, too. Puppyhood, the days seem long, but the year is very short. So I try to remind my clients of that when they're like, I don't want to drive 30 minutes to class. I'm asking you to do this for six weeks out of 10 years. Can you do that? And when you put it into that perspective, most of them say, yeah, I think I can. But it's that reminder that um, while it seems long now, the years are very short and the time will come when your best buddy is just can't be there anymore. And you think, wow, I, did I throw enough balls? Did right. I? Did we take enough walks? I never got him to the beach. Um so I think it's it's important to I, I love what you said to your friend and I think or your your client and I think it's important to remember that um, these moments um, of grace are gifts that we for whatever reason are given. So that brings me to something that I wanted to say, which is okay, everybody, you're going to tell I'm going to start crying, but we're nearing the end of this podcast and. Colleen has been such a gift to me. And when I approached her like three years ago and said, Colleen, I really think we should do a podcast. And the first thing she said was, no. 
And I said, she said, you know, but I always say no. And I said, I know that you always say no. So I'm not going to take the no as a no. Um, but we, uh, and that was in March of 2016. And we did our first podcast in September because it took us that long to figure out what we wanted to do. Um, I am so excited to have Tina come on board. I think that um, it's going to give us a, 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 a whole new dimension to your family dog. But Colleen, I just have to tell the world that I love you like a sister, that I will miss you horribly, but I really want you to be happy. And that's more important to me than anything that else. So you have, you know, I think Tina's in my blessing to go off and, and be great and to be the wonderful person that Colleen is in all the things that she does. But please know that a little bit of my heart is going with you um, because I, um, it's been a great, you know, three years and I'm so grateful for it. But, um, that said, I'm also so grateful that Tina has decided to launch into this with me. Um, cause I think we can, we can bring a different dimension to your family dog and maybe it's time for that too. So things don't stay static. They, things change. And so if we're going to, if it's going to change, let's embrace the change and and go with it so welcome aboard tina i'm so happy that you're here and colleen i will always miss you well she can always. visit <laughs> she can <laughs> so colleen just is a special kind of magic like i it's oh. funny there there are just people who you meet in the world that you go okay i know someone thinks she's a jerk but i kind of preemptively hate that person Yes. Right. And that's, and that's like, who do we need to beat up? <laughs> that's right. And I, I want to say to all our, our podcast listeners, um, we had, um, I, I did a, a seminar with Colleen and there was one woman in the seminar who said, are you kidding? Do you know who this is? This is freaking Colleen Pilar. And I kind of feel like for all of you who feel like you're listening to your family dog because of Colleen Pilar, please hang with us for at least a couple episodes. I don't and completely see if suck. <laughs> 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 so if you're listening just for Colleen, I beg you stay for a little bit longer. I think you'll learn to love, you'll tolerate me still, and you'll learn to love Tina very quickly. So, um, well, and, and it's funny because when Colleen approached me about it, I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and she's like, that's what I said too, but it's been really great. It so. has been really great. And I'm super excited, Tina, that you're diving in here because I think you two have the best senses of humor and also great big, huge, huge hearts for not only dogs, but the people who love them. And I think that that is the magic. That's the magic. So I have been really, really honored to to be part of this, but also to work with you guys and, and, you know, this end part here where you made me cry, I'm not too happy about, but, um, <laughs> but we've survived that part too. But I'm very excited to see what will come for your family dog because your family dog is not ending. Your family dog is hitting its stride. So, all right. Well, thank you so much, um, for Colleen for, for these two plus years and, uh, Tina, um, hang on for the ride because it should be fun. So, and thank you very much. And we'll listen, we'll have all you guys next week at episode 101 of Your Family Dog. So, thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Colleen and Julie would love to hear them. 
call 614-349-1661 or visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.